3: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
4: We'll get to uh, phone calls coming up. Settle on a poll question. Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports, NFL, and college football analyst, former offensive lineman, and you can uh, hear him on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Let's see. He, he's uh, had the Broncos-Bills game on Westwood One on Monday night. He's got Coastal Carolina and Army this Saturday and uh, he'll be at Iowa-Nebraska for uh, CBS on Black Friday. The peripatetic Ross Tucker joining us on the program. All right, let me go back to the Buffalo Broncos game. What did you see with Buffalo's offense that would get Ken Dorsey fired?
5: Well, it's interesting in that game in particular, Dan, because I saw a bunch of drops by the Bills – Receivers. I mean, you think about the first interception by Josh Allen. The Bills are moving the ball; they're in scoring range. It went right through Gabe Davis's hands. That's not Ken Dorsey's fault. Now, I will say this: Dan, I, I don't, I don't know that Dorsey's doing a great job. You talk to people schematically. I think Dorsey's probably just okay. The thing that's always laughable to me about that is it's not his fault that Dalton Kincaid had the drop or Latavius Murray had the drop. Or even that Sean McDermott, third and long, the Broncos are already out of field goal range. He calls an all-out blitz, cover zero, to put his guy, Taron Johnson, in that position for the pass interference. And I'm pretty sure also, Dan, that Ken Dorsey wasn't the 12th guy on the field on, on the missed field goal. So what I really strongly dislike about pro football is if they win that game, he doesn't get fired. So think about that. If they win that game, he doesn't get fired, but they lost. So McDermott, quote-unquote, has to do something. So he makes Dorsey the scapegoat, makes Dorsey the sacrificial lamb. Just not a fan of that. Never have been. Sometimes they'll just, like, randomly fire a couple position coaches just so that they appease the fans or the media and show that they're doing something.
4: Are the bills fixable?
5: Uh, I don't think so this year. No, I I don't know that having a new play caller in Brady who didn't really do a great job in Carolina is going to is going to solve that. You know what else too? I was just thinking about this Dan. I think this is one of the issues on some level when you have a defensive head coach. And it's a shame because I I'm not a, I'm not anti-defensive head coaches, but if you have a defensive minded head coach and your team has success that probably means you're scoring points and the offense is doing well. Well, then that guy's going to get hired away. That that guy's going to go like Dable to the Giants, and then you have to get a new play caller, a new guy, and, and just sometimes that transition does not go as smoothly, and it hasn't for Buffalo.
4: And I don't know if a new coordinator can change Josh Allen's style because it just feels like this is who he is. He's going to take chances. He, he tries to improvise. He wants his splash play. And I don't know if you could say, hey, like if Bill Belichick was coaching the Bills, could he say to Josh Allen, you're going to throw the ball 15 times max tonight? How do you think that would go over?
5: I don't think it would go over very well at all. And I don't think that the the Bills would move the ball very effectively, although they did run it pretty well yeah. Monday night. I totally agree, Dan. To me, Josh Allen, like, we're at the, we're like at the, and I want to be careful how I say this. I'm not saying, Josh Allen's a much better player than Carson Wentz. Much better. But, you know, I do a lot of Philadelphia media stuff. And he was so good in 2017. He could have been the MVP if he didn't get hurt. And then 2018 and 2019, he would just have these games where he'd have these silly turnovers and these wild decisions. You're like, what's he doing? But then he went to, you know, Indian, the same thing happened. He went to Washington, same thing happened. Like at some point you just acknowledge Carson Wentz is going to make stupid mistakes. That's just part of who he is. Totally agree with you, Dan. Josh Allen is going to turn the football over at times. Now he's still worth it. He's still a top five quarterback. He's still a fantastic player, but I think we have to get to the point. He's got the most turnovers over the last six years since he's been a starter. He has the most turnovers the last two years. Like at some point, This is just who he is. Could they maybe get another coordinator in there that will help him dial that back a little bit? Probably, but he's been playing a lot of football now for a long time, and he's just aggressive, and he's just going to make some mistakes that that you don't want to see him make.
4: Thursday night football, the Bengals getting 3.5 against the Ravens. What's the one thing that you're looking for tonight?
5: Probably all of the injuries and the impact on the game. I don't think it's being talked about enough, but Ronnie Stanley's not going to play at left tackle for the Ravens tonight. Marlon Humphrey's doubtful, so I doubt he plays. So the Ravens don't have their left tackle and their best corner. We know T. Higgins won't play for the Bengals. It sounds like Hendrickson's going to try to play, but that has a big impact on the game. I mean, no Marlon Humphrey against those receivers for the Bengals is tough. For the ravens and then you don't have ronnie stanley but the Bengals do have trey hendrickson the other thing about it is you know it's an important game for both teams but if the Bengals lose this game they're in a bad spot dan mm-hmm. i mean they lose this game what do they drop to five and five at that point and they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs the losses by both these teams on sunday and especially the way in which they lost that actually makes tonight's game bigger and and more important than if they had both won last week.
4: We're talking to Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports analyst with college football and the NFL. You know, I'm just trying to figure out who's the MVP now. I know we like to do this, uh, we get ahead of ourselves, like first month of the season MVP candidates, and then you know guys tend to fall off and then reappear. Who is the mid season MVP in your opinion? At any position,
5: at any well, so the MVP we know usually goes to a quarterback, and I would imagine that it still will. But I let's not do again.
4: that. Let's not let's give it to the person you think is the most valuable. Not it goes to the quarterback.
5: Yeah, no, I think that's fair because I do think that AJ Brown and, and Tyree Hill should be mentioned. I actually though think if if we're really talking about the most valuable player in the league to this point. I think it's CJ Stroud. I mean the Texans were terrible the last couple of years. Now they're 5 and 4. They host the Cardinals. If they win that game and they're favored, they'll be 6 and 4 and in the playoff race. Yeah. I know we always look at the top of the standings, right? To me, Dan, CJ Stroud is almost like the Jaden Daniels of the NFL right now, right? Like Jaden Daniels, the LSU kid, he's been the best player this year. You know, he deserves to win the Heisman. He's been the best player in college football, but he's not undefeated like Penix Jr. or J.J. McCarthy, and I get that, but Jane Daniels should win the Heisman. Right now, C.J. Stroud's been the most valuable player. The Texans were terrible. He has totally changed the entire perception of that franchise single-handedly, and they had injuries on the O-line. They had a bunch of games where they didn't have either tackle their receivers we thought were pedestrian. He's making Noah Brown and these guys, Tank Dell, look like stars. There has not been a more valuable player in the National Football League this year than C.J. Stroud, the quarterback for the Houston Texans. He probably won't win it, but he's the most valuable player so far in my mind.
4: One of the Broncos' receiver, uh, Cortland Sutton, I think, said uh, that we owe Russell Wilson an apology. Um Does the media owe Russell Wilson an
5: apology? No. He was awful last year. I mean, unless you're going to say that that was all entirely because of Nathaniel Hackett and that it wasn't Russell Wilson's fault, but he was still the guy pulling the trigger. He was still the guy playing. And I don't think he's playing great this year. I mean, look, he's way better than he was last year. He's not a top-five quarterback, probably still not even a top-ten quarterback. Last year, he was a bottom-five player at that position he's played much better um i don't think we owe him an apology i think we probably owe sean payton a lot of credit i mean sean payton this is why he's getting 18 million a year they they literally are paying payton that much because they wanted to see it they i think the broncos thought if anyone can maximize whatever's still left in russell wilson it's sean payton and you know what dan he's doing it i mean they're not crazy numbers but he's got You know, four times more touchdowns. He does interceptions. He's taking care of the football. They're winning games now. I think Peyton deserves a lot of credit more so than giving Russell Wilson an apology. Just call it like it is. He's playing better than last year, and he deserves credit for that. Are the Browns cursed? Yeah, I think they are. It's not just to Sean Watson, Dan. I mean, they, they lost both offensive tackles, Conklin and Wills. They lose Nick Chubb earlier. We know this is like a make or break year for their head coach, Kevin Stefanski and their GM, Andrew Barry. You're going to lose both tackles, your star running back. And after your best win in probably three years since the playoff win against the Steelers, your best win in two or three years where your, your franchise quarterback is perfect in the second half. You come from behind against the division-leading Ravens. Then we find out Wednesday, out of the blue, he has to have shoulder surgery he's done for the year. Why can't the Browns have nice things? Their fans are unbelievable. They have, like, the most loyal fans. They have done almost nothing since the Browns came back in 99 for those people to still be as diehard and as loyal as they are. They've had, like, Two halfway decent years that whole time, and the fans are finally fired up, finally excited. I mean, that must have been one of the all-time punches in the gut. 9 a.m. yesterday morning, Browns fans are feeling as good as they felt in years, and then boom, it's like when you get punched in the stomach and you're not ready, almost like a, a, a pie in the face, and you're not ready for it.
4: If you had to bet on Bill Belichick's future, where would you bet?
5: I would bet that he is the head coach for either the Washington Commanders or the Carolina Panthers next year. I think there's a decent chance that is not a patient owner in Carolina. Frank Reich, Dan, when you watch him talk, he kind of looks like a guy that knows he might be (laughs) one and done. He really does. And I think as bad as it's been for New England this year, I think Tepper and Harris – Their hedge fund backgrounds enable them to not let one bad year affect what someone's done in a larger sample size, a larger body of work. Those guys have both had a bad year in their hedge funds every once in a while, right? And I think that they believe that Belichick gives them instant credibility. He would hopefully set the record for wins while he's coaching them. I think he coaches one of those two franchises next year.
4: Great to talk to you. Safe travels. For, Always.
5: Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate
4: it. Ross Tucker, our good buddy. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast can be found on social media at Ross Tucker, uh, at, uh, Ross Tucker NFL. Westwood One CBS Sports NFL College Football Analyst. Always great to talk to him. A couple of phone calls in here. Chris in North Carolina. Good morning, Chris. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, how are you doing, Dan? Good, Chris. Hey, um, I'm 5'8". 160 but fit and unremarkable. <laughs> I'd like to uh, say hi, Todd. I really appreciate what you bring to the show. And uh, Dan, I am not looking forward to your retirement. I'm counting down the days, kind of like a man's looking at his prostate exam. He, he knows it's gotta happen, but he's not looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, I'd like to talk briefly about that Bill Belichick situation. And I know y'all talked about it a little yesterday, but I think the Bills is a great place for him. The, uh, the networks would have a field day with this. I'm here America would gobble it up. He has to face his team twice a year. Uh, and he's kind of needing a little bit of redemption after what happened with Tom Brady. I think his legacy has taken a big hit. Uh, I think uh, America kind of looks at it now like Tom Brady was the star. And I believe that he's going into a team with Buffalo. That's ready. Maybe it needs a little more organization, a little more structure. And I think that, you know, Bill Belichick is famous for
4: that. Yeah, but Uh, I don't know what he's going to do to the development of Josh Allen. Bill let Tom Brady be Tom Brady. Is Bill going to let Josh Allen just be Josh Allen? Because that's the same. Brett Favre never changed. Now, he became, you know, a Hall of Famer, went to two Super Bowls, he won one. I, I don't think Josh Allen is going to two Super Bowls. But he does have that kind of ability, that approach that Brett Favre had. But I like, I don't know what drives Bill Belichick. I don't know if the all-time win total matters to him. Um, is he going to get that in Carolina? Is he sold on Bryce Young as his quarterback? I mean, I don't rule out that owner in Carolina making a quick decision on Frank Reich and moving on. Washington, I could see that. Uh, but right now it's just speculation on what Bill wants and how long he wants to coach for, and does he have his quarterback? I think that's really important. Mark in San Antonio, hey Mark, what's on your mind today? Hey
6: Dan. Hey Mark. Uh, happy uh, Friendsgiving Day. If that's yeah today here. Yeah. Hey, huge fan of the uh, man cave. Has a discussion yesterday, and a bigger fan of the desk. And I noticed um, a change on there that hadn't happened in several years, which was Mm -hmm. the Bill Ripken card. Well, Billy...
4: (laughs) The Billy Ripken card is underneath the Chester Markle card. Chester Markle cost me a lot of money, and uh, I bet on that game, the Packers against the Bears. Chester Markle... All he has to do is kick a field goal, and uh, the field goal got blocked. He picked it up, ran it in for a touchdown, and uh, I lost my bet. So one of our listeners sent me in a Chester Markle Packers trading card. There is the uh, Billy Ripkin card that he signed, and, of course, that had the <laughs> famous uh, um, expression, colorful words on the uh, knob of the bat there, and he signed it, DP, yes, I am. And that goes along with what was on the bottom of the uh, baseball bat. So, Billy Ripken uh, signed that for me. It's one of your favorite expressions, as a matter of fact. yes, how. yes. I think I call Fritzy <laughs> that uh, daily, hourly. That's yes, yes, yes. It is. <laughs> I sing it to Fritzy sometimes. You sometime. do sing it. Yes, I do. You got something faced boy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, dog face boy. Dog face boy. Dog face. That's for the holidays. Yes, yes. All right. So uh, yes, that I did change up, and uh, somebody sent in Chester Markle, but I can always put Billy Ripkin back front front center.
3: All right, let me take a break. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart Radio app.
7: Listen to comeback stories. I'm Darren Waller. we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: It's hour two this Thursday. It's not just any Thursday. It's a rehearsal. Rehearsal for Thanksgiving next Thursday. We got the Traegers all fired up. And since we won't be doing our show on Thanksgiving, I wanted to make sure that I said thanks by giving back to the Danettes. And that's that's what we had today. This is great. You have great food, great friends, and no in-laws to deal with. This is a Whoa. Friendsgiving. Whoa. I mean, Friendsgiving is what this is today. And in case you're wondering what's on the trigger today, spatchcock smoked turkey, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, stuffing, mac and cheese, German spazzo, cranberry sauce, pecan pie or pecan pie, and... And blueberry pie. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. And the backroom guys brought in a dish. I asked them if they would contribute. And uh, Mario brought in the mac and cheese. Picture Day Ray, the uh, German Spatzel. Uh, Dylan brought in the stuffing. Uh, our cameraman, Weeks, the green bean casserole. And Tyler brought in the mashed potatoes.
1: Yes, Marvin? I have an in-law question. All right, so my in-laws are divorced. Okay. What do I do when they're together? And it's just so awkward. Maybe
4: but, get out of the way. Maybe move to another room.
1: So I move to another room, yeah. And they just, yeah, yeah. Well, whose house is it at? Uh, mine. I oh, mine. Tell, tell them to stop arguing. Then. <laughs> well, sometimes it won't even be art. Like somebody would just say, "Hey, Joe, can you move this?" Oh, Michelle, what? Oh. This happened when we moved. Okay. We moved into our condo, and they. It was me and them, and I said, Jillian, <laughs> don't ever leave me with those two by myself <laughs> ever again. Okay. I like them separately. Okay. Together, it's just awkward. Mm. Todd, I just gets uh, ripped the of the go, how do we get you crazy kids back together?
6: Come on, let's uh, bygones be bygones. <laughs> yeah,
8: <Huh>? yeah, Paulie. <laughs> alternate years on the invite. One, the guy comes this year, the woman is allowed there next year. And you alternate, and they get it to go somewhere else. Mm. Make it even more awkward. Mm. Like, oh, what are you doing this year? Oh, well, my mother in law
1: is coming over. So, what about me? Oh, have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right, we'll see you next year. Yeah.
4: Well, maybe just ask them. Would it be better uh, for everybody that if we came in uh, alternate years? I would just put it, the question to him.
1: I'll pose that question. Yeah. It's a poll question.
4: Well, have your wife pose the question. Yeah, I
9: would distance myself. Yeah, yeah, Seaton. Yeah, it's tricky, but I think you could send the misses in there and be like, "Hey, get your parents to chill." Yes, Todd.
6: What if one of the in-laws has moved on and they have a special someone, and the other one doesn't? Is that person or people invited <laughs> to the
1: party? Well, How does that work? Well,
9: <laughs> that's when one comes to Thanksgiving, the other comes to Christmas.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> probably same. Yeah, you
9: can't, you can't
4: do
1: that.
9: <laughs> you you can't
4: have you know your father-in-law is bringing his special friend. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your your mother in law is going.
1: Eh, what's going on here? Hmm, terrible situation. Yes, Marv. But sometimes it's not even like Thanksgiving. It might just be like a random Saturday where they're just both there at the same time, and it's
9: that's like just called poor planning. Then,
4: Marv. Oh,
1: it's all. And
4: this isn't me. It should just be a wedding. That's the only time that they should get together.
1: Well, like graduations. What birthday parties too? Those. Mm, yeah. My son's birthday party. That yeah, can be Michelle. Yeah. Ouch. Joe. Ooh. Mom, you promised,
9: you promised, you promised, mom, you oh. promised, you promised. And then you, you see,
1: and then you see why they're divorced. Like, ah, oh. yes. I see my mother-in-law walking to the other room. Like, ah, oh. Joe, sometimes like, oh. <laughs> happy holidays, everybody. Yes. Joe, yes. sometimes
4: uh, dream on green suspended five games. Uh, Celtics dropped the 76ers. Uh, Deshaun Watson season over. He talks about that. We'll hear from him. Josh Allen talks about the bill's struggles you got Bengals, Ravens tonight. The Ravens are giving three and a half to the Bengals. Make sure you take advantage of Dan's deals. Uh, if you were on the newsletter last night, you had the first opportunity. Once they're gone, they're gone. And these are great holiday gifts. All deals, 50, at least 50% off. You're going to want to uh, take advantage of it. Your holiday shopping can be done in one stop. Go to danpatrick.com, and uh, you'll be good to go. All right. Uh, let me see. A couple of phone calls in here. Poll question for hour two. Let's recap what we had in the first hour. And also, we'll have the MS MVP, the midseason most valuable player. Paul Feinbaum will join us a little bit later on
9: as well. Seton, what do we have? Hour two. What's your priority this time of year, football or family? Uh, right now, 61% of the audience have football, which is accurate. Uh, as my guy House has said, family is around all year. Football isn't. <laughs>
4: Well, Nailed plus, it. this is anonymous that everybody is talking tough.
9: If if we were putting names to this, then the uh, percentage might be uh, a little bit changed. Yeah, that means uh, 39% of the audience have no sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, uh, no. it's always family. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> what, Come on. Uh, actually, it's just... Uh, I've been trying to workshop a poll question based off the NCAA and James Madison because that is a JMU football. Okay, James Madison
4: is in its first year of playing or second year of playing uh, Division One A or Division One football FBS, and they moved up and they're undefeated this year. And they petitioned the NCAA to allow them to be bowl eligible. Well, they were denied yesterday <laughs> by the NCAA. They're 10 and0 in the Sun Belt. They're ranked number 21 in the latest top 25 poll. They host App State on Saturday and uh, College game day will be there for that. But they decided that uh, Jacksonville State, Rich Rodriguez's team trying to do the same. they want to play in a bowl game. Now they they could still play in a bowl game if there are not enough teams that are at 500 at their record. So there's 82 spots. There's 41 bowl games at the end of the regular season. James Madison is not eligible to play in the Sun Belt Conference championship game, despite being the only team that's still undefeated in league play. So I I get it. You know, you want to be bowl eligible. You're two years in and you go to the NCAA, well, the NCAA, you know, now they could have been the, hey, let's hear it for the NCAA. You know what? They, uh, they have a soft spot in their heart for, uh, you know, some of these up-and-coming schools. But, okay, that's the rule. I mean, this isn't about a football team. This is about all of your sports programs, and they give you that two-year window to be able to get up to speed with some of the other schools you're going to be playing against. And James Madison is a nice story, but I just this here's my suggestion: How about Colorado and James Madison face each other in a bowl game? Because Colorado they only have four wins. Maybe somebody is going to take those two and say, "Here's a great story: undefeated team here, and you have uh, Colorado with uh, Dion." Maybe that could solve you know the problems here. I don't know if Dion cares about playing in a bowl game, but you know I, they would be one of the bigger draws. If you said out of all the bowl team, you know teams that are eligible, and you could also have Colorado, how many bowl how many bowl games would go? Uh, we'll take Colorado because they're a draw. Now you have teams that are eligible and rightfully so, and they did all the things you're supposed to, and you uh, win your conference, you get to go to this bowl game. I I, I love that. I agree with that. But I am rooting for Colorado to be in a bowl game just because it'll be interesting. And if James Madison can get in there or Jacksonville State, great. All in favor. But the NCAA has a rule. And while we have question marks about the NCAA, we wonder about their authority. Uh, They laid down the law or reminded them of what the rule is, and they're not going to be eligible.
8: Yes, Pauline? Going back to James Madison, their appeal, this rule was put in place in 2008 before NIL, before the transfer portal was basically invented. And uh, James Madison, I know the rule is kind of vague. It says we want to make sure these new FBS schools like James Madison or others or Western Kentucky years ago are up to speed in uh, compliance, scholarships, maintenance of the uh, facilities, uh, academics, all that stuff. It appears that James Madison is overperforming. Since joining the FBS, they've gone to an entirely FBS slash Division One schedule. They played at Virginia, that's a relatively big time school. They're not playing little sisters of the poor. They're not playing FBS school, uh, FCS schools anymore. And what really bothers me about this entire thing is, if it's a hard rule and there's no flexibility on it, then don't have a hearing. Don't fake them out with a hearing. Don't have let them have, make an appeals process that you're not even going to entertain. Clearly, James Madison has outperformed. The average team that jumps up to FBS mm. and they're clearly eligible for a high end bowl, but don't bait us with a fake hearing because you know a lot of schools that go up there they don't do well, but this is a school that's outperformed, they sell out every game, they have more people in attendance than a lot of big schools do. So I think that's it's a fake hearing, it's, it's a waste of everyone's
9: time. Yeah, see, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you should at least give them the hearing and then like. I think it would be worse to be like, we're not even listening to you. Yeah. I think that would be a way worse look for the NCAA. Uh, and while they're not playing, you know, Sisters of the Poor, they beat Troy 16 14. Uh, I don't know. They beat uh, Old Dominion by three. Virginia at Virginia. They, uh, they yeah, beat, I don't know.
4: <laughs> they beat Georgia State. And it's State. awesome
9: that they beat Virginia by one, but that's not exactly Virginia Alabama. had one big win this sure. year. It was a big win, but. Um,
4: it's not an impressive resume. They're undefeated and therefore you go all right,
8: okay, and then you go undefeated. That's fair. Their strength of schedule is 99 out of one-third. Now, nah, yeah, check that. Uh yeah, 96 strength of schedule as of right now out of 130. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Okay.
9: And but that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. That's what it, you know, th- this is like this is my problem. I think it's a little bold to be like we're 10 and 0 against this all these crap teams <laughs> and then be like change the rules for us because we're 10 and 0 against our Specifically designed week schedule. It might be a Division One schedule, but it's designed to ease them in. It's not throwing them into the fire. No, not no. Really. But not. they're playing those
8: in the Sun Belt Conference, aren't they? They're playing a full Sun Belt schedule, and they're playing no Division One. Like player. this
9: is the schedule they'll have next year.
8: Yeah, okay. And they play at North Carolina it's not, next
9: year. But it's it's not a it's not a, uh, like heavy hitting schedule though. It's like the. But they can't do anything about that. They have to face the teams that are in their conference, I think conference. they should be happy to be ranked eighteenth with the teams that they're playing. They're right; they're ranked ahead of like Notre Dame right now. They should be happy that they
8: are. But should they be allowed to be, even be ranked if they're not eligible for the benefits of being ranked, of playing in a major bowl? And if they had, let's say they played this season, uh, Alabama and uh, Michigan, they still would not be eligible. If they won those games, they still not be eligible according to this rule. This rule is quite antiquated. It's from like two thousand eight. And there's a bunch of teams that have gone up from FB, FCS to FBS, and that were eligible to be in uh, bowl games their first year. UTSA was eight and four. South Alabama six and six. App State, remember the way they went up in 2014? They were seven and five. They didn't get a bowl game. Uh, Georgia Southern was nine and three their first year of FBS and wasn't allowed in a bowl game. As many teams succeed in their first year as struggle. So what did we learn here? It's a good topic. Yeah.
4: I don't know if people are going to come to the defense, the rallying cry with James
9: Madison. I think people are, actually. I think it's it's a hotter take to be like, uh, no, you don't deserve it. Well, you can say
4: you deserve it because you're winning your conference, but you're not going to be in your conference championship game and you're not eligible. People want to reward somebody who goes undefeated. Uh, I get that. I just don't know. What's the the rallying cry? How does ESPN approach this this weekend? How big a deal is this for ESPN when they're there with this topic on campus with James Madison? I would imagine that'll be front and center. I what, imagine a lot of your signs are going to have to do with uh, that bull eligible. Yes, what here. does the
9: NIL and
8: transfer portal have to
9: do with their story this year?
8: Uh, when the rule was put in place for this, when you bump up, NIL and transfer portal was not really in place, especially NIL, and this would allow you, if you had the right benefactor, to improve rapidly. Like, let's say, for whatever reason, James Madison had a billionaire donor. Mm. Or how about Liberty? Liberty has billionaire donors. Mm. And they went from a, a nobody to a semi-power team really quickly.
4: Were they bowl eligible in their first two years? No. Okay. I mean, there is precedent here.
8: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, the rule is, is very hard. I, just, I, I don't understand why you would have a hearing of a rule that you're not going to flex on. But I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be heard. Oh, you'd want to be heard, but you want... I'm saying, like, why have a hearing that you would never entertain the case of the person appealing? Like, if the NCAA had a hearing last night and they ruled against them, what is there one that they would make an exception for? Is there any Is there any possibility, is there anything James Madison could have done? 26,000 people a week, full stadium, uh, winning their games, winning their games last year. It appears that the NCAA had a faux hearing for them that was not really designed to give them a fair chance. But
4: then they're going to have to have a hearing on Jacksonville State... Then they're going to have to have a hearing on uh, Tarleton State. So they ruled against them as well with James Matt. That I, You know, the NCAA, I don't know how functioning they are. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much they care about these things. It, it feels like they're like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, we'd, we'd like to play in a bowl game. Oh, well, let me see if we got a rule. Ag- yeah, we got a rule against that. Can you at least hear a case? Well, let me see if I can get... Hey. Hey Tommy wake up, Tommy. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll to get- yeah, yeah, we'll get a hearing together- yeah, yeah, we'll get a hearing together
9: i got I don't know if the NCAA like puts priority on any of this stuff just I just don't know that you <clears throat> i get stuck on like you just don't change all of the rules because this one team had one good year, their first time out i like i don't I don't know that you do that well, this is their second year, yeah, oh but okay, but they had a a good year this year. Yeah, great uh, year, undefeated. Uh, but then, and I still don't see how. But then, Jacksonville State should would be eligible as well.
4: I think they have one loss. Yeah, you can make the case. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Jacksonville State is seven and three overall, five and one in the
9: league. You know what solves all of this? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's guess. We've talked about it before. You're probably the first person nationally. Relegation. Promotion and relegation. <laughs> Let's go. Relegation. You win your way into the best league, you lose Come your on. way out of the best leagues. Relegator there you go.
4: Okay. It's easy. Come on? on.
9: But hey, we beat up UConn.
8: That was a class win.
9: <laughs> yes, Paul.
8: It is fun. It's It was. It's interesting that it was ruled against two days before game day is there, which spikes up the story. It's, just, it's, it's such an ironic thing that the NSA rules two days before, and then game day will be there.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com
4: with Amex. Big hearing tomorrow. Michigan. See if they can get some uh, legal help. Get Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines. As long as he's there for the Ohio State game. I just wish that game would have been at Ohio State this year. You imagine Harbaugh walks out in Columbus. It'd be awesome. But uh, Maryland and Michigan coming up this weekend. Paul Feinbaum, the voice of the SEC. Paul Feinbaum show. And, uh, Let's see. It's uh Georgia, Tennessee coming up this weekend. Uh SEC Nation is live Saturday mornings at ten AM Eastern. Paul, you're having too much fun. You are. There's too many topics yeah. and you're having you're having a field day here. Would the yeah. Jim Harbaugh situation happen in the SEC?
10: No. <laughs> And, and part of the reason, Dan, is that the SEC doesn't do everything right, but they do keep things pretty buttoned down. And this blew up uh, about 13 years ago. There was, remember when Lane Kiffen, yes, that Lane Kiffen went to Tennessee? He immediately called out Urban Meyer for being a cheater, which was great theater. I, I know it even got to your uh, uh, studio. And it went on for a while and it turned out that he was wrong. Uh, so anyway, moved the calendar up. Uh, we're, we're now in May at the SEC spring meetings in Destin. And there's this room with, the, with the, at the time, I think there were, uh, 12 SEC head coaches and the commissioner, Mike Slide, the guy, Mike was, you know, intellectual law, law lawyer, five, nine, 139 pounds. Kind of, I think I was describing myself there. And, uh, he, uh, they're in the room uh and and, and Kiffen and Urban start going at it. And finally Slibe just slammed his fist through the table and and he and he and he and, and Lane interrupted and he said, effing shut up, Lane. And the room went quiet and I'm, I'm told reliably that Nick Saban and Urban Meyer had the biggest grins in the room. And that was it. Uh, he said, we're not doing this anymore. He said, if you got a problem, you call me, you don't go public. And interestingly, Dan, there's been a lot of accusations privately, but we, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying this is the way it it has been. The SEC buttoned down and no longer was a, was a civil war, just like what we're seeing in the big 10. Okay. But we had this moment. Uh, you know, what was it last year, the
4: year before with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban? And I know where the bodies are buried and
10: mm-hmm. but it it died. It died uh, because because it got uh, the commissioner uh, buttoned it down and said uh, enough. And by the way, who won that battle between Saban yeah. and Jimbo? Fisher? But, but no reporters really followed up. No. Uh, and, and I'm not advocating that. You know, my background uh, that drives me crazy. Uh, but it, it's almost a new normal. And I, I'm not suggesting, uh, before anybody jumps to too many conclusions that, that cheating is tolerated. It, it's, they just deal with it in a different way. And I think even the Big Ten has done that. Most, most conferences do that. That's why this is such an outlier. And the antagonism from Michigan toward Petiti, Tony Petiti last week, what was, was really surprising and shocking. Uh, and I know everybody's joking. What if Petiti has to give the trophy in two weeks to uh to Harbaugh? I mean, you've been there. You've you've done the trophy celebrations at the Super Bowl when when there was animus toward uh Roger Goodell and others. And it's just uh, it, it, it's amazing, uh, especially when you look at uh, the the university president at, at Michigan, uh, Santo Ono, who's fairly new on the job. And he's I mean, I I fully expect next Saturday him him to you know. leave the team out of the tunnel, uh, waving pom-poms with some of the comments that he's been making.
4: What do you expect to happen tomorrow at this hearing with Harbaugh?
10: I I think if you use practical, legal uh, knowledge, they won't give it. But then again, uh, uh, if if this was in Tuscaloosa, if this was in Columbus, Ohio, would it be granted? (laughs) Yes, it would be. You think so? If, if if this was heard in Columbus,
4: would Michigan? No, no, I
10: mean, I, excuse me. I mean, if, if it had been Ryan Day in Columbus. Oh, and Nick Saban. okay, okay. Yeah, no, please, no. Uh, if, I, I think <laughs> I think the hometown nature, and and I, I we all want to believe uh, that that judges are beyond reproach. But I don't know. I've been reading a lot about the Supreme Court lately. That makes me wonder uh, if if they can't be influenced.
4: What bothers you the most about this cheating scandal?
10: Uh, Michigan fans uh it, it <laughs> because that's who i mean i i mean harbaugh is harbaugh i mean you know his press conference the other day was was classic jim harbaugh didn't make any sense a lot of non-sequiturs but that's who he is um but the the fan reaction and and, and some of the sicker fans who have stood up for them uh and and i know a lot of people in the, in the media business you know are, are trying to put this as a, as a fox versus espn deal yeah I don't. Nobody's telling people at ESPN what to say. I, I can assure you of that. Um, I, I don't know if you could say the same thing about what we hear on Fox. Is this? Is, are you connected to Fox? Before I get too deep into the uh... just Brady, I don't have any. You know, okay. I, I, whatever you need but, to say, you say. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind. Of, it's comical to. To watch that Fox show on Saturday and and to listen, I mean, to listen to Urban Meyer of all people, shill for Michigan. I, I mean, I, it, I mean, that, that's beyond the pale.
4: <laughs> well, you have Desmond Howard on your roster.
10: Well, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, okay. Say how much I respect Desmond. Of course, you do. Of what a fine what a fine teammate he is, but I, I did appreciate his legal advice the other day on on getup. I, I, I thought that was very helpful for my uh, my law practice. Uh, Harbaugh, they don't have
4: um, it, the compass doesn't point towards them admitting anything. like they're a victim. They're America's team, due process. Uh, but it, it still feels like they they did something wrong. They just don't want to be punished this way for doing something wrong.
10: Dan, they did something wrong. Uh, whether Harbaugh ordered it or not, he's responsible. that That's what the rule book says, whether you like the rules of the NCAA or not. And I don't. Uh, and, you know, I have friends who say, well, the NCAA is out to get them. But if you go back. If Jim Harbaugh had just agreed to dismiss whatever these allegations were during covid level two allegation, it would be over, but he wouldn't I mean Jim Harbaugh just i mean he's so recalcitrant uh he he just wouldn't admit to doing anything. I mean he's one of those we all know people like that from high school until right now that that will never admit that they're wrong and and that that's what gets him in trouble every time. And I, I, think he, you know, whether the, the NCAA had an extra grind or not, uh, I mean, he pushed them to this point, but I think all these other coaches coming in, and I, you hear from coaches, I hear from coaches, and they all believe, uh, the ones I hear from, I should say, uh, that, that Harbaugh gained not, not a slight advantage, but, a, but a significant. Advantage, and 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 something should be done. And and I frankly don't think a three-game suspension is that big of a deal, even even considering the weight of next week's game. I think if Petitti had turns his head, then it would have looked ridiculous. Uh, I, I I applaud him for doing it. Uh, and 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 whether it goes anywhere from here, it probably won't, because the NCAA is not really equipped any longer to to do an investigation under three or four years. If Michigan wins the national title,
4: will you recognize them as national champs?
10: I will refuse to recognize Michigan as the national champs. Uh, I, I just I, I was taught uh, that, that athletics should be an even playing field, uh, and, and to me, they they are not subscribing to that. Do you have? Uh, are you on the side of the NCAA or James Madison? James Madison. Uh, I mean, I know, I know the, this sounds contradictory, but they're two different situations with James Madison. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, why can't the president of the NCAA, uh, Dan, Charlie Baker, this, everybody loves this guy. He's the governor of Massachusetts. Why can't he just say, listen, I don't care what you guys are saying down the hall. I am making an executive decision and allowing James Madison, uh, to compete in postseason. They've earned it in some antiquated rule. Uh, that should have been changed. Uh, I, I am simply throwing out. I mean, the NCAA did this in the in the Sandusky case. They they literally did not follow any of their own rules. Well, I'm I'm wondering. James Madison is playing
4: everybody in their conference. They're the best team in their conference. Yeah. They can't compete for the conference championship, and they're not bowl eligible. Yeah. It's just you're holding a hearing. Why hold a hearing if you're gonna you know say you're gonna you're gonna say that this is the r- rule and we're not changing the rule?
10: Listen, I, I'm for rules, but there comes a point when you just can't be uh, the headmaster uh, in 1957 and, and, and suspend people because uh, you know they, they looked at you the wrong way. You have to use common sense. That is not the case in Harbaugh, uh, but it is the case in, in JMU. And it's just another example of why people hate the NCAA. Was last week a good week for Texas A&M? No, but I think it was necessary. And, you know, we're talking about seventy seven million dollars. I mean, it was it was that it was self-inflicted. But in fairness, and I know this will sound crazy, but the A.D. was not the A.D. that hired Jimbo. The A.D. that hired Jimbo guess, was trying to hire Jimbo again. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if he'd gotten stuck with him twice uh, to LSU? <laughs> and, and, and A&M did not want to lose the momentum. And and, and Dan, I know. I know Everybody, you know, is working hard trying to make a living, but in, in Texas, seventy seven million dollars is really not a lot of money. That's that's just a good day in the oil market. <laughs> uh, so they covered it.
4: Well. Is this a big time job? Is AM a big time job?
10: I think it can be. Uh, and I've been there so many times and have seen it is, it is set up perfectly. And I, I threw this out the other day and people scoffed. I thought a guy like Dabo Sweeney would be perfect there. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's somewhat narrow minded. He fits the culture in terms of button down. Uh, he, he's been late to the portal. He's been late to NIL, but, but he's a good football coach. And he also has been to six playoffs and has won two national championships. It's not the same as bringing a beaten down Jimbo Fisher from Florida state. I mean, Dabo has some issues. I mean, he's frustrated I don't, because he doesn't have Trevor Lawrence. And he doesn't have Deshaun Watson, uh, but I, I think someone like that would work. I, I think that it's a very important selection, though. If they blow this, then where do they go?
4: And I mentioned this yesterday. If the analysts who are friends with Dion really care about Dion, they should stop putting him up for jobs because yeah. now you have recruits who are backing away. You had two four-star recruits who you know pulled out with their commitment, reopen uh, their recruitment here. Dion hasn't shown me anything this year that leads me to believe. Okay, he's a great coach. He'll be able to run. Colorado was desperate. Dion put him on the map and made him relevant. But I gotta, I gotta wait. Let me see a little bit here before we go. Man, we, we had him
10: going to the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. Well, again, you know, I'm, I'm on some of their shows when Stephen A. Smith <laughs> pops up and, and mentions that, um, and it's great. I mean, I, but Dion. It, First of all, he can't take his son. He can't. He can't take uh, the best players because they can't just keep moving every year. Uh, you 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 have you only have so many mulligans in your in your repertoire to get around. Uh, I mean, I think if he stays another year and shows improvements, then yeah, I do. I do think he's a a change agent, but but not moving uh, after after one year. And if they only have four
4: wins or five wins this year, could you see a bowl? I mean, they're, they're still must see TV, I would think, because of him and his son. But um, and I know the Pac-12 has a rule that you have have at least six wins. But could you but, see? Could you uh-huh. see somebody going? Nope, we're bringing in Colorado? How about Colorado versus James Madison?
10: Yeah, I think. By the way, you can get in with five, Dan. The, the APR—that's uh, about your aptitude and your, and your your you know your GPA or whatever. Uh, if your bowl allotments are are deficient, and they, I don't know whether they are or not in that league, they'll be somewhere that they could they could conceivably get into a bowl. And I think they should. I think that's At a four great. four wins, allotment. though, four wins could they? Oh uh, no, they. I think they'll need. Uh, they're they're in a pool. They'll they'll need to have five, okay. otherwise they wouldn't qualify. Colorado JMU. What do you think? I, I like it, um, and you know maybe we can get Ric Flair to do the uh, game. Hours. Sure, yeah, woo. Um, okay, I want you to
4: bet on Harbaugh's status when they run out of the tunnel. Where's Jim Harbaugh on Saturday?
10: Uh, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, if, if I'm, if if what I learned about law growing up <laughs> in my seventh grade civics class comes true, <laughs> what about him? in
4: uh coming out of the tunnel against Ohio State.
10: Yeah, no, I think tomorrow is, is the whole ball of wax. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think I don't think you can come back once when, the uh once they if the judge agrees to it then he's free, uh but if he says no, uh then I don't think uh he can do it. So, uh I mean, if so if Harbaugh doesn't if he's not able to coach, does the ESPN ask him to be the 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 celebrity guest picker on game day? <laughs> Wow.
4: Wow. You should have saved that one for your show.
10: Well, no. This show is much bigger than anything (laughs) I do in the afternoon. Uh, Safe
4: travels. Great to talk to you again, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Always a pleasure. Paul Feinbaum, ESPN Radio host, the Paul Feinbaum Show, live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on SEC Network.
8: It's fun. Yes, Paul. What I love about Feinbaum is during this entire segment, I was both yelling at the screen and angry with him and clapping with some of the things he was saying. Yeah. I, that's, that's him in a nutshell. That's his job.
6: Wait, you
9: called him a nut? Oh, a little bit of a nutshell. A nutshell, yeah. <laughs> but he just thinks the playing field should be level and everyone should be. Yeah.
8: <laughs> See, and I was screaming, what is he talking about? Yeah. And they're like, great line, great Dude, line. it was
9: literally just like this would never happen in the SEC yeah. because we all know everybody's cheating. We just don't say anything. But it's level. Yeah. It's a <laughs> the, p- the playing field is level. Everybody knows everybody's cheating. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. <sighs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.